Here's a question that I wonder if we've ever really thought about. How did Jesus mark time? Not, as you may be thinking, meaning the hours of the day, 9 a.m., noon, 6 p.m., etc. What I mean is, how, during the three years that we get to observe his day-by-day ministry, was he consciously thinking through the beginning, middle, and end of what he was doing? In essence, how did he pace or orient the direction of his days? What was he aiming for? How did he know when it was going to end? Do you know? I mean, what do you think? Well, in Luke 9, we get what I think is the most definitive answer to that initial question, how did Jesus mark time? Because as we approach what will be the final Passover of his human life, we get to read this in Luke's gospel. As the time approached for him to be taken up to heaven, Jesus resolutely set out for Jerusalem and he sent messengers on ahead. So Jesus did not mark time by his day-by-day schedule or, say, by the arrival of the day of his transfiguration or by his sermon calendar or by a particular scheduling of miracles he wanted to check off the list. He did not mark time even by the events of the all-important week of the cross and the resurrection. No, Jesus accounted for the movement of his days, the cadence of the rhythm of his ministry years, according to the time, and I'm sure this was made clear to him by the Father in the power of the Holy Spirit, when he would ascend, be taken up to heaven. The ascension to come was a clear demarcation in the mind of Jesus. It was a place, according to Luke's language, of personal resoluteness. The last 33 earthly years of the life of Jesus were all working up to this particular day, hour, minute, second. Which begs another question from the questioning mind of yours truly. Why? Why was this particular miraculous moment, crowded as his life and ministry were with miraculous moments, so particularly important to the timing, scheduling, living life of Jesus? Why is the ascension paramount? Well, because as the Word who created everything we see, all of creation... He was preparing to deliver up to his father the new creation of the new covenant. Because as the original friend of humankind, the friend sin has always and originally sinned against, he was ascending to take a perfect God-man, man-God self back to the throne room. The throne room. You see, that's what I want us to focus on in this episode. When, many years after the events of the day of the ascension, he was the only one of its witnesses left, 
the Apostle John was granted a vision of his old friend. And I want you to listen to his vision with your imagination wide open. This is from Revelation 4 and 5. Later, I looked again, and before my eyes a door stood open in heaven, and in my ears was the voice with the ring of a trumpet, which I had heard at first, speaking to me and saying, Come up here, and I will show you what must happen in the future. Immediately, I knew myself to be inspired by the Spirit. And in my vision, I saw a throne had been set up in heaven, and there was someone seated upon the throne. His appearance blazed like diamond and topaz, and all around the throne shone a halo like an emerald rainbow. In a circle around the throne, there were twenty-four thrones, and seated upon them, twenty-four elders dressed in white, with golden crowns upon their heads. From the central throne come flashes of lightning, noises and peals of thunder. Seven lamps are burning before the throne, and they are the seven spirits of God. In front of the throne there appears a sea of glass, as clear as crystal. Then in my vision... I heard the voices of many angels encircling the throne, the living creatures and the elders. There were myriads of myriads and thousands of thousands crying in a great voice, Worthy is the Lamb who was slain to receive power and riches and wisdom and strength and honor and glory and blessing. Then I heard the voice of everything created in heaven, upon earth, under the earth, and upon the sea, and all that are in them, saying, Blessing and honor and glory and power be to Him who sits on the throne, and to the Lamb forever and ever. Friends, let me simply and succinctly tell you why this matters. It matters because... 33 years and 9 months before the day of the ascension, it was from there that Jesus stepped down for us. Having created all things, having walked with humankind in the coolness of the day, having watched the reality of the fall take place, having then experienced the fallout, the tragedy, all the ups and downs of the race of man fumbling their way through human existence, having reached out to them through both natural revelation and specifically the the targeted covenantal relationship established between himself and the children of Abraham, all the way through the rises and falls of the Hebrew people, the nation of Israel, the comings and goings of prophets, priests, and kings of his people, all the events that we now call the Old Testament, the Old Covenant. Friends, after all that, the Word, the Son, one of the glorious parts of the Trinity stood up. He nodded at the Father, part of himself enthroned beside him, and then did what? 
left all that. Left behind the celestial glories of the throne room. Left behind the unbroken, always together wonders of the Godhead to become one of us. To suffer the indignities, the humiliations, the day-by-day struggles of our experience of life and living this life. To grow up in a family, to find footing amidst his fellows, and then to launch out upon the perfections of his three-year ministry. To literally live and die so that we literally may die and yet live, live and not die, and be part of the eternal family of God. So, why does Jesus mark time by his ascension? Why does this matter so much? Because the one who chose to step down from the throne to come and save us is returning to the throne and bringing us along. His ascension is our guarantee of ascension. In many ways, it's as if we're already there. Now, what are you hearing as you listen to all of this?